many memories have come flooding back. I put this song on repeat, just crying my eyes out. It made me feel so bloody alive. This song really nails the feeling of nostalgia for a place. And we all just stopped talking and just stared at the radio. Like, what is that? It's part of the noble genre of songs by women about masturbation. I love it. I love that song so much. Box. Meet people through their music with Ash Berdebez on FBI. For so long I wanted to have a music therapist on Out of the Box, partly because music therapy kind of sounds like, you know, someone plays a violin into the ear of a sick person and, hey presto, they're cured. And so on Out of the Box today, to cure my magical thinking, I have Max Scholar-Root, who is a music therapist and a musician. Welcome on the show, Max. Thank you very much, Ash. So you you do make music yourself and uh, you're in a band, I understand. Yep. I've been playing in bands for over 10 years now. But I've been a music therapist now, not actually for that long, really. I don't want to claim to be a great authority on the subject, but I've been studying it for many years now and I've been registered and practicing for about a year and a half now. We're going to play a song first from uh, your band. Of the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's our fourth album and it's, I mean, our band's called Ungus, Ungus, Ungus. What kind of flavours are we supposed to be expecting now? Sure. I mean, we we define ourselves at the moment as a psychedelic, gypsy, carny hop, prog rock band. (laughs) So we mix all kinds of stuff up. Sounds dangerous. Yeah, it's like circusy sort of you know, a little bit worldy, but also recently a bit more hip-hop as well. So yep. it's kind of like party music but with a carnivalesque kind of flavour. Okay, cool. And yeah. we've got a song here called Bumblebot. And is there anything that happened in the making of this song that you'd like to tell us about? Well, I think like a lot of songs that I write, it starts with me having a dream and hearing some kind of melody or lyric. So I'm just lucky. A lot of songs come to me like that when I'm asleep. It's It's good for you know, productivity that you can... Yeah, not even trying. ...work when you're asleep. You've got eight hours of drafting. <laughs> yeah, so I just heard the chorus tune and word, some of the words when I was in a dream and just kind of woke up at probably five in the morning and sung it into my phone and then fell asleep again. <laughs> and then the next day I woke up and slowly turned it into a song and finished it eventually, so... <laughs> Yeah. Here we go. It's Bumblebot by Angus, Angus, Angus. My guest on Out of the Box today is Max Scholar Root. Top of the mountain, bottom of the sea, this way. You never keep track of me, but just blow your vision, let your focus go. You find out in the subatomic micro flow, and yo, reality is utterly beach like a whale. I took my senses one, two, three, four, five, and throw them in jail. Let perceive and disbelieve in what was mine. I submit, I'm the universe says concubine. So if you're ready to surrender, then just follow along. The power of the Tao, there's no need to be strong. Beginnings, endless, are said to want. My inner space is out of space, is homeless, is flow. To survey the scene And all that he could see Was the meaning behind the dream A to the B Bumbling, stumbling Waiting on the platform Looking so perfect Making no sense With a drop back bend Everything piling up To the end, to the end To the left, to the right Left, right, to the back space We can copy you again If you're gonna hit sand La 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 Luminous web Wanna give you what you ask for So drink your order form Three, four on the dance floor Luminous Yeah. 
universal dress rehearsal for the real show. They go and let it go. When it's coming true, you'll know exactly what to do, so just step aside or with your ego in mind. The subtle conditioning holding you back, just leave it behind. With this rule, we're gonna hold for what you thought you'd be taught. There'll be no regret without the opportunity. Out of the box, FBI 94.5. That was something called Bumblebot from Ungus, Ungus, Ungus. And I have one of the members of that band here, Max Scholar. He's a music therapist, a musician. And definitely I was feeling those circus vibes you mentioned before. Where did that come from? Mm, I think it came from a real interest in festival culture. I kind of, I've been playing pub shows and touring around Australia for years. And I reached a point where I thought, you know, I want to, if I'm going to drive like 10 hours, which you always have to, to play a gig somewhere other than your hometown in Australia, pretty much. I want to do it at, you know, some amazing events, really creative events where a lot of, a lot of artists are coming together. And so I got interested in this idea of the carnival and the festival and what does that mean and how can I contribute to it? And so the music's really evolved to create a space at an event like that where people are dancing and having fun, but it's also kind of creative enough that it's, uh, you know, not just mindless party music. It's a bit of a a trippy kind of arty kind of experience, I suppose. Yeah, no, totally. It feels like it lends itself really well to an event, whereas it's not kind of like I can't really imagine listening with headphones on the bus I think it's kind of interesting that it's it's kind of it very much fits into that festival context and I think of like circus music and carnival music as being kind of like a sound that promises a bit of silliness, a bit of fun, but also mm. like an element of darkness. Don't Absolutely. you get that with circus music? Absolutely. Yeah. I I'm really interested in sort of I guess the underlying philosophies of celebration and there is uh this kind of I don't know. I've read I've read someone I can't I can't quote the philosopher but it someone sort of talked about how art is basically a way of dealing with existential dread, you know, like what's the point of being alive at all if it's all temporary and it all goes away and I think that that music and definitely the coming together of people is a way of justifying life of saying like well yeah there is a point to all of this. Yeah, I think shared existential dread is kind of beneficial existential dread, you know? And I love it when, like, uh, a party or a performance has acknowledges that, can be a celebration that isn't kind of all about, like, yay, it's happy, get happy, we're all perfect. It's But something that actually really taps into that, like, we're at this party because we need to deal with the fact that we're alive and only for so long and it's really weird. Yeah, it's kind know. of like positive morbidity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 all for positive morbidity. I think it's I think it's great. Awesome. Well you are a music therapist and we're going to start talking about that a little bit in the next mic break. So I think in the meantime we should play a song. Um, but if people do want to find your music, where can they go? Sure. Well Firstly, you spell the band name U-N-G-U-S, so it's like fungus without the F. But, yeah, just <laughs> ungusungusungus.com. That's our website. 
everything's on there. Everything you need to read and the videos and the music, it's all there. Good. So, so you called it Ungus 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 because of the domain name. <laughs> <laughs> it was like eternally available. <laughs> <laughs> True. There's no competition. Well, there is an Ungus Ungus in the Philippines, actually. There's an island. But I think we, I think their tourist site we've kind of managed to trump on our on the Google ranking without too much difficulty because <laughs> it's not a very popular destination. So yeah, shoutouts to Ungus Ungus. Yeah, you listen to Out of the Box on FBI ninety four point five. My name's Ash Berdebez, and today with me I have Max Scholar Root, a music therapist and musician. Here we go. It's Fats Waller with Ain't Misbehaving. Ladies and gentlemen, just to let you know that I paid my alimony. And I ain't misbehaving. No one to talk with all by myself. No one to walk with, but I'm happy on the shelf. Ain't misbehaving. I'm saving my love for you. I know for certain the one I love. I'm through with flirting. It's you that I'm thinking of. Ain't misbehaving. I'm saving my love for you. Like Jack Horner, something over there in the corner. Got no place to go I'm home about eight At my neighbor's radio I can't afford one Ain't misbehaving I'm saving my love for you Someone a bit cheeky for you on uh, Out of the Box FBI 94.5. And uh, it was brought in by my guest today, Max Scholar Root. So it's Fats Waller. So yeah. why did why did you actually want to bring on this song, Ain't Misbehaving? Well, Ain't Misbehaving's been a favourite song of mine for a long time and there's a few different really good versions of it by different people. I really like how cheeky it is. But, I, I mean, obviously, in terms of music therapy, it's got relevance for a couple of reasons. It's... I mean, if you're working with an older population as a music therapist, this is really the popular music of the older generation, of their youth. So jazz was, was pop in the 20s and 30s. 
that was what was on radio, that was what you went out dancing to. And so people have associations of their youth. And if you're working with an older population, it's one of the like really powerful things you can use is the associations with that time of people's lives. It's pretty interesting, but when you're a young person, the stuff that you're listening to when you're sort of 18, 19, 20, 21, you know, sort of late adolescence through to early adulthood, that stuff is with you right to the end of your life. And it's going to always have these powerful connections for you. It's so strange. It's like it has a physical presence in your brain. Like I've seen a couple of videos, people playing um, older kind of palliative care patients who are like borderline vegetative, like they haven't been communicative. They don't really, they don't really talk, play something from their youth and they go from being kind of hunched over and their faces just light up. And when you when you were working with um, in palliative care, when you were studying, did you ever kind of have that experience? I remember meeting a, an older woman who was, you know, moving into the palliative stage and sitting down and strumming the first few chords and singing the first few lines of a John Denver song. And John Denver was, it was, um, take me home country roads. <laughs> and John Denver was something that she and her husband or particularly her late husband had really been into. And she just started crying immediately, like within about three lines. I mean, it was particularly poignant that the first line of the song is almost heaven, West Virginia. <laughs> Were you doing this on purpose? <laughs> no, not at all. But I mean, those things, you know, every single word uh, in particularly in palliative care uh, becomes very, you become very aware of what you're saying in the songs. It's yeah. kind of, everything has such a kind of power and yeah. So this kind of comes back to before when I was saying like, you know, in my, in my naive mind that, you know, with music therapy, someone comes along and plays a violin into someone's ear, hey, presto, they're mm -hmm. fixed. Like, you feel so much better. It's kind of like the way I'm conceiving of it in that sense is a medical conception. Yeah. Is, that, is that a common misconception or am I just a dope? No, no, it's a very common misconception, I think. We have a, an underlying sort of philosophy with the Western medical system, which is about treatment of symptoms so you know you have a particular illness then you have the medical intervention which then produces a result uh, or doesn't you know if, you, if you're unlucky you probably have a, a bit of a different idea about health coming at it from a musical perspective sure yeah i mean i don't know that it's necessarily something that's representative of the music therapy profession but more for myself personally in the way that i think about health I would really like it if our health system was more oriented towards keeping people healthy instead of treating them when they're sick. And I think that that's a really exciting way to live as well, you know, to think about your health as something that you have control over. Not complete control, because we all live in a, an environment and things happen. But, yeah, it's, it's really it's a different way of looking at it to kind of say, well you know, this is my body, I can take responsibility for it. So my mind, I can take responsibility for it instead of outsourcing that to a professional when it breaks down, you know, and a big part of what we try to do as well, what a lot of music therapists try to do is to strengthen the healthy part of the person, to tap into that healthy person that's inside that person who might have some kind of diagnoses and to bring that person up and make them stronger. Because that, yeah. you know, that person's there, that healthy person's there, but you know, uh, sometimes they're they're hard to see for a lot of people. Yeah, so and for the person themselves, they might have lost touch with that. Yeah. If this is a person who whose life uh, is going to end in the you know near future, you know, we're working on quality of life. We're working on honouring the life that they've had, and maybe also working on their legacy. You know, there's an opportunity. There could be an opportunity to resolve certain relationships with certain family members. And a lot of music therapists do amazing work with songwriting with people who are in palliative care, you know, writing songs to leave behind for, you know, for loved ones and writing messages to people in music that could be too hard to say to someone face to face. Oh, that's really beautiful. Mm. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, absolutely. Songwriting is a big part of what a lot of music therapists do. For some, it's the, it's the only thing they do, in fact. And I guess it also gets gets people um, out of their isolation if they're if they're in care. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in hospital, people can be very isolated, even if they're in a shared room. You know, they're kind of behind the curtain. Often people aren't talking. There's like a different little families kind of huddled together in the, each corner of the room. Mm. But, pe- you know, what a music therapist can actually do is come into that space, sit down with one family, find out what kind of music's relevant for them and start doing a bit of work. Someone in the other side of the room starts looking up and kind of paying attention and then you can kind of look over and start the conversation, get them involved. And then when you leave the room, people are talking to each other and yeah because yeah. i think the thing is also like if you're in a care situation a lot of people are there with um you know it's a bad time in their life they know if they're talking they're going to probably be complaining mm. or they're going to be hearing someone else's complaints i think people kind of don't want to socialize on those grounds it's like what are you here for i don't know what are you here for i mean yeah. you'd rather get some sort of commonality that is a positive absolutely yeah and i mean everyone knows that they're that they're sick you know everyone knows they're in hospital because they're sick and that's kind of it's a bit of a drag you don't really want to talk to people about you know oh what are you in for it's like you know <laughs> yeah it feels like prison <laughs> yeah well that is and i mean i've when i was working at a hospital in Melbourne with young people who were there because they had eating disorders, they actually would commonly refer to what their situation was as being like prison. In the music therapy session, we'd have a group and people would, you know, uh, could could point to cards, picture cards that identified how they were feeling and people would very often go for the barbed wire picture, that kind of thing, because they're not allowed to leave for their own safety because they're, you know, physically actually on the brink of um, potentially dying because they're so um, malnourished. And so, yeah, it, you know, the prison comparison's actually warranted for some people. They do feel like they're locked locked inside or they are physically locked inside in some cases. Wow. Yeah. Ella Fitzgerald, Blue Skies, and I want to hear about uh, why you want to bring this song on. I wanted to bring this song on like partly because it kind of blows my mind, her performance, but because of the improvisational aspect of it like it's jazz music but the scatting is so incredible in its expressive qualities and i think it captures something about music as a communicative form which is very important for a music therapist to be able to be spontaneous to be sensitive to be able to respond to the person they're working with it's so different to a regimented performance you know to break down that violin miracle cure you were talking about earlier (laughs) it's much more about actually being attuned to the person that you're with and responding to them and i think you know what ella fitzgerald is doing is a performance but it's a spontaneous you know performance which is responding to her how she feels in the moment the musicians around her you know it's happening right then and there that aspect of spontaneity and expressiveness in music is important to music therapy On Out of the Box, FBI 94.5, my guest today is Max Scholar-Root. skies smiling at me nothing but blue skies do I see blue birds singing a song nothing but blue birds all day long never saw the sun shining so bright never saw things going so right Noticing the days hurrying by When you're in love, my, how they fly Blue days, all of them gone Nothing but blue skies from now on Didn't 
Fitzgerald on your radio, FBI 94.5. You're listening to Out of the Box and Max Scholarood is my guest today. And I feel like with Ella Fitzgerald as a music therapist, you've probably uh, played some um, some Ella at some point for people, right? Ella or stuff from that era, for sure. Definitely working with older folks, yep. playing a lot of jazz and swing and those kinds of tunes. Yeah, definitely. Have you kind of like had a thought about what you want to hear? You know, if someone comes in to, to visit you in palliative care when you're older, what songs do you want them to be bringing in? It's really the music from your youth that is the most powerful. And, you know, if I've got dementia one day and I can't connect to the people around me or I don't know what, what place I'm in, the, the things that are most likely to connect to that deeper part of my brain that's still functioning is going to be the stuff from earlier in my life because that's what actually happens in the brain as it mm. degenerates it's the deeper memories that are the last to go so are you talking about your teenage years as being kind of like a really solid basis in your brain yeah totally and there's you know there's so many powerful associations with that time as well like your emotions are running really high you know life's you're living life so intensely so the music that's coming to you at that time is, you know, really getting buried in there because of how, you know, kind of stimulated you are as a human being at that time. So we've got Radiohead now, everything in its right place. And what is it about this song, do you reckon, that's going to kind of connect with you? Well, it's very relaxing to me, but, you know, it's also really intense because it's Radiohead and it's always intense. <laughs> uh, I guess I just I, I find it incredibly soothing to listen to this track and I don't know how anyone how a music therapist could replicate it without just playing me the song normally music therapists use live music they use their own you know instrumental skills and voice to 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 work with people yeah someone bringing out a little Korg piano and trying to play this opening kind of run that's not gonna work (laughs) yeah it'd be pretty tricky yeah but I, I, I guess you know two elements of the song that a music therapist might think about uh, that it's got this timbre, like the, the the texture of the music is just so smooth that it it you know it's very re- like relaxing to hear it. But it's also got these kind of lyrics and this intensity in the vocal performance, you know, which could connect to a person who's in a difficult place. So you know, it's got the potential for a kind of empathic connection with someone, but it's also got this ability to maybe bring someone's energy level down and relax them a bit so you know 
I'm sure Tom York would love to know that you're saying this right now. I'm sure he'd really appreciate it. Let's get him on the line. Yeah. Tom, are you Calling there? Calling Tom. <laughs> Here we go. It's Everything in Its Right Place by Radiohead on Out of the Box. FBI Max Scholarroo is my guest today. Everything in its right place by Radiohead on FBI 94.5. My name's Ash Berdebez and you are listening to Out of the Box. Now, I've got Max Scholar Root in with me who bought on that track. And, I mean, you could argue that it would make you feel worse because I find Radiohead to be very affecting. Mm, yeah, totally. And, yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, you can, you know, get into in a pretty, I guess you could say, negative kind of way. There's actually been studies of music listening and healthy music listening for young people, studies done by music therapists. And interestingly, a lot of young people actually listen to music that they report they feel worse after listening to it. 
And in some cases, people are listening to these songs actually day after day, and each time it's making them feel worse. It's not helping. So it's it's something that certain music therapists have been starting to try and build awareness around is healthy music listening, and especially for young people. So does that mean like not listening to like constant Radiohead or not listening to like heaps of emo music? Well, the thing is it, it's not about the music itself. It's really about how you respond to it because there is no objective factor about what music's going to get what response, you know, and that's, you know, one of the big differences with music and music therapy to the Western medical system where you have tests that show that this drug causes this response, it has these side effects, you know, and it's kind of much more measurable. With music and the way we respond to it, it's so personal and it's so tied into our personal histories and, you know, even the way that we're built biologically, all these mysterious unknowable factors. So, yeah, I mean, it's just something that you have to figure out for yourself. And if you're a music therapist working with a person, you need to figure out for each person what is going to be helpful for them. So um, I'm just going to I'm just going to work on a track and then you can tell us a little bit about how this might fit into your current work. Mm-hmm. Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no person craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem-free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata? Yeah, it's our motto. What's the motto? Nothing. What's the motto with you? <laughs> How does this song factor into what you're doing at the moment? Is it is it the message that matters, the Hakuna Matata-ness of it all? Oh, <laughs> no, I definitely wouldn't say that. Uh, I, so who's the audience here? I, yeah, well, it's absolutely the person that you're working with. I, I wouldn't want to emphasise the uh, don't worry, be happy aspect of, of it. Because <laughs> it could be that's, incredibly rude. Well, it's just really, uh, it doesn't really capture what music therapists are doing. You know, it's uh, really not about singing <laughs> Don't worry, you know, no worries. Just get happy. Come on, get happy. You know, that's yeah. not what it's about. Sing your problems away. Yeah. No, no, this is like a, just a story from just this week. Like I, I uh, run a couple of groups, music therapy groups for adults with intellectual disabilities, and there was uh, a young woman there who continually requests Akuna Matata, like it's the one song that, that she really likes. And it's actually quite a difficult song to play on guitar, to play and sing. And so every time I'm like, okay, here we go again. Let's try it. Okay. And we had a little bit of a breakthrough, though, this week because I I struggled through the song as I do each week. And then when I got to the end, I was kind of like, what can we do with this? Let's do something with this. So I just, just kept a really simple little chord progression going, just a little groove, and I just started singing, Kuna Matata. And then I just sort of said, your turn. And she sang it back to me. And then I was like, all right, Akuna Matata, your turn. And then she sang it back to me. And we just, we just did this back and forth just a few times. But I noticed that the staff who, you know, know this young woman really well were really kind of looking at this and their eyes were kind of lighting up like something's happening here. And when we finished, one of them said, oh, I've never seen her respond like that before. And what had, I guess what had happened, I mean, I didn't get to totally unpack it with, with those people afterwards because we were just continuing in this group session. But it seemed to me that what had happened was that there'd been an interaction, like quite a contained, you know, interaction that made sense, a social interaction that for this young woman wasn't something that was happening for her every day. And that happened actually through a you know, not through just playing a song note by note, playing it correctly. It happened through a spontaneous interaction between two people. But also, I guess when you played Hakuna Matata just then, it's kind of like a a very uh, evocative song for kids. But have you worked with children in the past? I work with children right now, and I've worked with kids for a long time, actually. That's the kind of uh, group of population that I've spent the most time working with both before I was a music therapist and after been working with young people. And certainly at the moment I do work in childcare centres running developmental music programs for babies and infants. So I work with kids aged zero to six, six at the oldest, and run 
these, you know, I guess they're called classes, but I, I'm doing it as a music therapist. So I have this very, you know, developmental kind of uh, social development, that kind of focus on what I'm doing. Other people might think of it as a music lesson, but yeah. And what are, what are kids supposed to be getting out of this when you're talking about uh, kids of that young in age? What does that kind of music therapy help them to, to learn or build or mm-hmm. do? Mm-hmm. Well, everything. Because, I mean, when you're a baby, you're learning how to do everything. <laughs> uh, you're learning how to move your body. You're learning how to communicate. You know, you're learning how to do all the functions that you do as a human. And in music, you can really get into a lot of that stuff, you know, into cognitive development through participating in an action song, you know, like where you're sort of going roly-poly, roly-poly, up, 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 raising your hands up into the air. Those are kind of motor skills and there's attention involved. You know, how do you focus your attention on one person and join in with them on an activity? For a very young person, that in itself is... It's a challenge just to stay focused on one thing for two minutes. Yeah. So there's and a lot imitation, of yeah. imitation, yeah, which is a part of communication. But then there's, you know, literacy and numeracy. There's so many counting games that you do with little kids. Mm. There's so many things that are getting them to learn new words. And, and so th- it's that kind of change and growth element. Yeah. yeah. And I also guess, especially with kids, I mean, like kids don't know how to take their turn. Mm-hmm. So if you're working in a group situation, then the kids have to know how to like take Absolutely. their turn. Yeah. And you take what you get and you don't get upset. And you hand out the <laughs> instruments. That's what we often say, because they all want the, the shiny one or, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah, there's a lot of behavioral kind of development that goes on as well, which is all like really good prep for going to school as well. But I mean, I also what I really enjoy about it as a music therapist is the the emotional element as well there's a lot of kids who are really struggling who have been separated from their parents who are you know that's happening every day they come in they get dropped off and they just start screaming and sometimes you walk into a room and there's like five six seven kids who are all screaming and it's full on and you sit down and get just plow into it get the music session going and i've seen the change many times now where a room of screaming kids becomes a room of seated kids who are joint participating you know joining in and even having what appears to be a good time well, at least there's you know some of them are smiling and laughing so it's and it's pretty pretty great to be able to you know change the feeling in a room like that because they're all feeding off each other's stress and if you can bring that down can make it a much you know a much better experience for yeah for these young people awesome we're going to play something by parliament it's called bop gun and uh we'll talk a little bit about that in the next break
going to be funky on your Thursday on Out of the Box, FBI 94.5. Myself, Ash Bertabez, I'm in the studio with Max Scholar Root. And why do you want to bring in this song by uh, Parliament, Bop Gun? Well, I think I just wanted to bring it in because of some of the social justice kind of elements of the piece. It's not something that people might think has that association, but it's actually, as a piece of music produced in the 70s, it's really relevant to some of the civil rights movement messages around that time. And, you know, we shall overcome. It's all kind of sampled in there, got to get over the hump. There's a lot of these things, and it's really a lot of it tied to you know, issues that were particularly relevant for African-American people at that time, but also in, you know, the women's rights movement and so many different things that were happening in the 70s. But I think it's worth highlighting that aspect of music therapy as well. Uh, I mean, music therapists are doing some pretty amazing work with refugees in Australia, uh, in prisons, in different parts of the world, and also in third world countries, doing all kinds of amazing work that's yeah, just worth mentioning, I think. And even inside the institutions as well, in hospitals and so on in Australia, there's a role there for advocating for people as human beings because I think that it can be quite a dehumanising experience to be institutionalised in the health system for a lot of people. Yeah. So for a music therapist who's really interested in a person's history and culture you know and that taps into all these other things around people's values it's a way of kind of saying you know not not just to them that that they that they matter as a human being but also you know making other people who work in these places aware that the people that their patients you know aren't just their diagnosis but you know have an entire an entire background and I think, you know, it's it's hard for people who, you know, maybe work as nurses uh, or, you know, similar caring roles to tap into that because, you know, they have a lot of work to do. It's hard work and it's hard to get to know the people that you're helping in those in those areas. Yeah, personhood can kind of be almost another thing that they need to deal with rather than a crucial part of the, yeah. the process of solving their problem. Yeah, yeah. So if you're, if you're concerned about people's, you know, physical needs, you know, that's a lot to, to have to deal with. For music therapists, it's something that we can get beyond those aspects, you know, of just dealing with your illness or your disability and actually highlighting the, the, the person, the person that's inside all of that. We've got a song to take now from Joseph Towardros. Now, why did you want to bring this song on? Oh, look, Joseph's an amazing Sydney artist. He's just an incredible musician. And although I wouldn't make a direct connection to music therapy per se, you know, for me, it's important to use my skills as a musician and producer in a way that's in keeping with my values. I'm working on a show at the moment doing sound called Tales of a City by the Sea. And it's a theatre show that's set in Gaza, in Palestine, and very much a humanising story about the people of Gaza. And, well, Joseph Tavordrov's an Egyptian guy, so not the same part of the world, but I think just that Middle East connection, it's nice to hear some of that music, and also it's FBI, so let's, let's play a Sydney artist.
Flavor today on Out of the Box. Max Scholarroot has been my guest for the past hour. He is a music therapist and a musician out of Melbourne, but you were originally from Sydney. You grew up in Sydney. Yeah, I did. I grew up in Glebe and moved to Marrickville and lived there for about five years or so in one of the many kind of creative warehouse kind of spaces. I mean, why did you move to Melbourne then? Is it something to do with the fact that the the warehouse closed down that you were living in? Mm, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so was there for about five years. The band I was working with at the time had been there for seven years. So, yeah, really long time. But, yeah, I got evicted eventually. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right, I think it's time for our last song of the show. We've got something here by Seal, Kiss from a Rose. That sounds familiar. And I want to I ask you if there's any good times you remember from those warehouse days before you uh, entered the music therapy profession. <laughs> yep, before I uh, grew up and got a real job. I <laughs> yeah. Yes, I was living in this amazing community warehouse space. And, yeah, Kiss from a Rose, look, I'm not a huge Seal fan or anything, but this is a song that always seemed to come up at about 2 a.m. or later at these parties. And I'm thinking of a particular night. The, the place we lived was called the Band House and it's, um, still, you know, has a special place in many people's memories. But I remember a particular after party there. There'd been a gig at the Factory Theatre with the Crooked Fiddle Band and the Barons of Tang and there was a bit of a raging party and it was about four in the morning, I think, and Kiss from a Rose came on and... Everyone started getting down on their knees and serenading each other and doing epic sing-alongs. And, and I remember I think around the time it hit the second chorus, I just thought, how can I take this up a notch? And I just grabbed this plastic chair and hurled it into the air and it hit the ground and one of the legs broke off. And then I, I think at that point I realised I was intoxicated because <laughs> I was tired. <laughs> when you start breaking things, it's like, okay, it's time to have a glass of water. But anyway, that was... They were, they, they were the best of times, definitely. Beautiful. Yeah. Thanks so much for being my guest now Out of the Box today. It's been very illuminating. Thank you for having me.
so much a man can tell me so much he can say you remain my power my pleasure my pain to me you're like a grown addiction that I can't deny now won't you tell me is that healthy baby but did you know that when it snows my eyes become a large and the light that you shine can't be seen